Welcome to the Money, Marketing, and Mission Show, where we are breaking all the rules when it comes to making money online. I'm your host, Mia Francis Poulin, owner and copywriter-in-chief at The Copy House, a boutique copywriting agency for mission-focused businesses who want to market their business authentically, ethically, and profitably. The Money, Marketing, and Mission Show is here to help amplify the voices of business owners who are out here doing big things, those who are breaking barriers for marginalized communities, redefining time freedom, and generally getting in good trouble to make our society a better place, and making money while they do so. So if you're up for an awesome conversation, deep talk, and a good time talking about money, how we do business, and how we do good, then settle in for a listen. Hello, party people. It is another beautiful day, another beautiful week closer to some really exciting stuff happening (laughs) over in the coffeehouse world, at least. Um, One of which is the Money Marketing and Mission Summit, which is happening June 20th through 22nd. And it is going to have an amazing lineup of speakers talking about how we can make more money, how we can market more authentically and ethically, and how we can change the world while we're doing it, right? And I am excited that this interview is actually featuring one of our summit speakers, Krista Wilson. And I am so excited to introduce you to Krista and all of the amazing work that she does. So here is a little bit about Krista. Krista Wilson is a racial justice, equity, and inclusion coach that works with social impact organizations and ethical corporations using storytelling, visioning, action planning, training, and culture building to help them become anti-racist and liberatory organizations. To her, DEI is where the work begins. The goal is to create what she calls liberatory organizations where oppressive systems, behaviors, and culture are replaced with new ones that facilitate our ability to thrive. I am so incredibly excited to have this conversation or to present this conversation to you now in this format and on this show, but to also dive deeper into this work with Krista on day three of the Money Marketing and Mission Summit. And so as a quick recap, we will have our summit speakers presenting custom, unique trainings. They're bite-sized trainings, no more than 15 minutes um, on their topic of excellence, on their zone of genius, right? And then also we're having a live Q&A session with the speakers after their after their session airs um, within the summit. And it's not just going to be all learning, y'all. It is going to be a ton of fun. We got DJ Shammy D who will be having a live house party in the mix. We will also have lots of music, lots of treats and fun and gifts, party favors, if you will, in true copy house fashion. And we're just going to make this a really great experience because I think we could use a little bit of fun nowadays, right? So go ahead and grab your ticket over at moneymarketingmission.com. That's moneymarketingmission.com. And give this show a listen. Here is Krista. All right. Well, Krista, thank you so much 
for joining me on the Money Marketing and Mission show. I, well, we, we met, we did like a brief get to know you call and I was just like, I have to have this person on the show. Just like amazing conversation. So I'm so excited to have you on here and to see what shakes out for us. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yes, yes. And so let's start with the question that I ask everyone in the same way. And it is, tell us about how you make money in your business. Yeah, well, it's a good question and easy to answer. So I make money by working with organizations and helping them answer this central question. How do we make companies and create a culture where people feel free to be themselves and actually want to work here? Mm -hmm. Really simple question, right? The, the bigger container of that really is how do we make companies that are inclusive and diverse and equitable and anti-racist and liberated and liberatory. There's ways to do that. And so I help them create the plans to make that happen. Okay, we're gonna dive into this more specifically, but to start off, let's talk a little bit about how you were led to do this work, because I feel like it's not every day people are just like, I'm gonna just change the, <laughs> I'm gonna be on a mission to change the way that business is done, <laughs> you know? So how did you get started with this? Yeah, I mean, kind of a longer view is, you know, the accent's long gone, I always joke, but I grew up in the Southeast. So I grew up in North Carolina and Georgia. And where I grew up, Confederate flags flew above city halls and in our neighborhoods. And my parents grew up in segregation. And so having that close touch point to discrimination and racial injustice shaped for me, like inside my spirit, I want to do something around this injustice, the way that it plays out every day. I mean, our governments could fly a symbol of hate. That's like wild, that's so wild, right? And so it, it sparked something in me, this lifelong journey around wanting to address inequity and injustice. And so I started working for the organizations that do that. And then there was this kind of, I guess, this something was not in agreement. There was a dissonance because how could I be working for organizations who in their mission were all about justice and equity and then in the culture of those organizations we're burning people out we're mistreating people and and it's kind of known in the field some of the organizations who are actively for social justice are some of the most unjust places to work so that's how i really got started it was how do we walk the talk because if it's not just for-profit companies it's not just government agencies it's not just nonprofits all organizations really struggle with how do we create cultures where people thrive? And so I kind of came at this um, a lot of different ways, but the pathway is very clear to me because I'm, I'm, I am committed to what's happening in our society at large, but also I'm, I'm committed to as we're in our jobs where we spend half of our day sometimes, if we're not able to thrive, if we can't feel good about where we work, that, that can't stand. And so I've been doing this work for a good 14 years now through my business. Yeah. I, I want to take a moment to talk about something you said at the beginning of the beginning of that, which was about you growing up in the Southeast. And I don't think that 
I told you this when we spoke earlier off offline, but you know, I grew up in New Orleans. I'm from New Orleans, even though I don't sound like it anymore, unless I go see my dad, in which case I come back with this thick yet accent. It's really funny. <laughs> but I remember as a little girl, you know, because we used to travel to Biloxi, Mississippi all the time, which I think up until maybe very, very recently, they did they had part of the Confederate flag in their state flag. But I remember as a young girl going to the beach, and one day we were we took a back way, um, I think around highway. 12 or something like that to get to in, into Mississippi and the road was blocked by a Klan rally and it was such a clear like jarring moment for me because in that moment in a very very quick moment my parents had to explain to me what racism was that we are seen as different that it is not safe for us to drive past these people and we turned around on this on this divided highway and i think you know growing up in the south i've i've always had this idea like oh well the north is different like north is liberation but when i moved up north the time that i was actually called the n word to my face unprovoked was in portland oregon so like i think that there's this idea that racism is 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 relegated to certain pockets of our country when in fact it's pervasive it just may look a little differently and it can be a little bit more insidious and when it comes to organizations i think that even the most on the surface liberal or liberated organizations still have their problems and the key part of that is like how do you build awareness of a problem that you may not be directly impacted by right so anyway, that was a whole roundabout thing. That's just what. <laughs> no, it wasn't roundabout. And this is part of the work too. I mean, one thing that, you know, I, um, I heard it so much from clients that I actually built it into this framework. And my framework is actually how I help organizations and leaders like you and me lead an organization. So how do we help people like us create these ideal kinds of organizations, right? One of the steps in my framework is tell the truth. And it's because I would tell people all the time, all right, first step, what's your business? Okay, now let's tell the truth. What's going down in your organization? And part of it is because the way that we've all been conditioned in this country is we think that bias or prejudice or discrimination looks like a hood or it looks like a slur. But we've kind of leveled up in our bias, discrimination, prejudice, right? It looks different. So it's not as overt. It's covert. It looks like um, how wide are the you know pathways in between desks? This is like pre-COVID, right? Can a wheelchair fit between desks, right? Because that's about accessibility for disabled folks. Or it looks like how are we talking about dress codes, right? Are they gendered still or not, right? So there's a very um, pervasive way in which bias and discrimination and prejudice show up, even in well-intended organizations that dictate whether folks can be their full authentic selves and thrive. So I think that the point that you told for your story is still like very spot on. It wasn't round about or unrelated. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this idea of taking a stand, right? Because I know there are so many businesses, especially after George Floyd, who are like, I'm going to post the black square on my Instagram and I'm going to put my stake in the ground and take a stand. But I feel like perhaps people don't, don't even, there's not like a unified definition of what taking a stand actually means. So I'm curious about 
your definition of what it means to to take a stand and why is it important that we actually state the things that we we that our organizations are believing in and, and understanding for like why is that important yeah and i would actually say taking a stand is like two parts um and i think that you're right you know in in 2020 you know my website started to, to like really blow up people were like you know oh wilson and associates we heard that you all do dei training anti-racism training coaching we need training and coaching right and there was more demand than I could support between me and my team. So we had to start using some discernment, you know, are you for real? Basically it was like our filter. And then how do you determine if people are for real? And so we started to look at people's social media, started to look at, you know, what they were saying. And it helped us have this discernment around what does it mean to take a stand? Are you just looking for, I mean, just to like keep it real, we're a black and BIPOC consulting firm that does this work. So it looks good. Are you in trouble? And quite a few folks that reached out to us, some people were like legitimately in the LA Times for having a toxic work environment for like BIPOC and queer staff. So they reached out to us, but they weren't really amenable. And they didn't have any statements on their website about how they cared about BIPOC staff or, or queer folks or any other marginalized identity. It was a PR stunt. And no shade, but a little bit. I, I keep track on some folks who reached out to us and they have really done nothing since 2020. It really was a, that, that eight week period where they were trying to do some things and then it wasn't really for real. So when I say take a stand and this is what we help folks do, it's really twofold. The first is what do you believe in? What about diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, any of the words? They're just words until you put meaning behind it. So what does it mean to you and why does it matter for your company? And it doesn't matter if you are, you know, for like yourself, a copy editing company, you do social media marketing, you are a coaching company, you are, you know, you make body soap. Any business can have a statement that says, here's why we care at this company about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging for our employees and for the community where we are based, right? So you have a stance, you have a statement that says why you care about it, why it matters, because you're still a part of society. And then the second part of the, when I say taking a stand, that's that part where it's a little bit, is if, you, if it starts to scare you, you know you did it right. It means that what are you willing to risk? And when I say risk, I mean, what are you investing in? So how are you cultivating your staff? If you have profits, how are you investing in the communities or in the groups who have been marginalized or targeted, how are you investing in those groups to further your belief in diversity, equity, inclusion? Or even if it's not dollars, if you say, for example, we care about diversity, equity, inclusion for those groups who have been marginalized, one of the most marginalized and targeted groups right now in this very moment are trans youth in Texas, their lives are on the line. So, and you live there. So then how are we using our social media? That costs us nothing except labor. How are we using that platform to elevate what's happening? Because we care about it as, you know, citizens in, in a state and in a, in a society. So that's what taking a stand looks like too. How do we put our values in practice? And the risk is someone might see it and say, well, I don't want to buy that soap because yeah. you supported trans kids. And that's a customer that you're willing to lose because you took a stand 
for what you believe in. I mean, I, I understand the, the fear part. Um, in fact, you know, we, on the other side, on the copywriting side, right, we get companies who are like, help, help me with my messaging because I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it's like every single word has so much anxiety behind it. But I think that it's important to, to consider, like, not the worst case scenario, but what are some examples of companies that are actually seeing benefits from taking this stand? I know we talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago, but there are some some use cases out there where, you know, people, they took a stand and the world did not stop turning and the business did not collapse. I mean, I think there's two things. I, I would say that, yeah, of course we can say the wrong word, but I also think it has to do with your brand too. Like if you put a message out and you have a flub, but people know, right, but they have a track record of really walking the right talk. There's some forgiveness that, that can be said too. Um, the example that I, that I think is so great, and I used to own a baker, I used to be a chef, so I kind of still dabble in the food world. And that's why I know about Pinsy Spices. You know, back in, I want to say 2016, they didn't like that we had political candidates who were talking about, you know, Mexicans being criminals and all other kinds of hateful things about you know, um, people who believe in the uh, Islamic faith and immigrants, just all kinds of just hateful rhetoric. And so we know that all people of all political backgrounds buy spices, all races buy spices, right? All genders buy spices. So once you make any political statement, any statement about the individuals, you're already segmenting some of your market. So that's definitely taking a stand. It's definitely taking a risk. But what the head of Pinsy Spices said was, I can't, as a human being in this country, kind of just sit back and say like, I'm okay with degradating other human beings. That's not cool. And so they both put in their newsletter, what I basically, what I just said, like, we can't stand for this. And they also started making custom spices that were tongue in cheek, kind of, you know, shady about how we shouldn't, you know, have uh, candidates who, who degradate other human beings. And they definitely uh, got dragged by conservative media. They got, they lost a lot of conservative customers, but they drew in their people. People who said, I don't even cook, but I love that you actually care about human beings. I just bought eight spices. I joined your newsletter. I shared your newsletter with five other people. And what Pinsy started to do, and now it's five years running, in their newsletter, in their Facebook post, they even say, buy our spice or just share this newsletter. So they've used their taking a stand as now part of their brand. They're known for spices and also standing up for social justice, just like Ben and Jerry's, another case study. Yeah. Um, imagine the brand loyalty, right? Like that's the thing about it, that you're building brand loyalty from the people who you want to do business with. And what really struck me about what you just said is, you know, here at the Copy House, part of our core beliefs is that we are we are to be real humans to other humans, right? And I think that what a lot of business teaches us is to look at people as leads, as contacts, as sales, right? And But we have to forget about our own humanity. Like we are just a cog, a machine, a, a entity, right? We actually use the word legal entity, right? Versus a, an organization run by humans. So we forget, we, we're told to forget our own humanity, but also we forget the humanity of our consumers and our customers, right? And so that's really central to what we, what we believe here over at the Copy House is that you are a human being, whether you are the social media manager, the CEO, whatever, you are a human being 
who's talking to another human being and you have to approach people and think about your conversations and your messaging from that point of humanity, not from the entity, right? Because the entity doesn't exist. Like it's it's people. I say that all the time. I love that. I, I always say, yes, I do organizational consulting. But an organization is a paper. It's, it exists on a paper. An organization is a collection of people. It is human beings connected under, you know, a, a shared mission, a shared culture. And then you as leaders of the organization, you're in choice. Do you want that culture to be toxic or do you want that culture to be liberatory? You have a choice. You get to decide. And if you don't decide, then you just get what you get. Can I have a moment of your time? Just a quick break. Here's the deal. June 20th through 22nd, we're having the Money, Marketing, and Mission Summit. We're bringing together 15 plus of the most amazing, most brilliant minds in the online marketing space, in the online business space, to talk about what it means to make more money in your business, to market with alignment, and to change the world while you're doing it. I am so, so excited to have these conversations and to party with you because I think we could all use a party. So hop over to moneymarketingmission.com to check out all the deets and grab your ticket. So let's talk about changing the way that business is done, right? Like you, you, you have your framework, you have your methodology. And I think like, it's a big concept, right? Like we're going to change the way that business is done. But if we could simplify it, which I mean, it feels like such a, such a big concept to me, what would be kind of like a starting point that people can consider when wanting to implement these changes to make their their organizations more inclusive, more supportive, where people can be their whole real selves? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the first step that I always say is, you know, getting real and telling the truth. I mean, that really is the first step of the framework. Um, and like I said, because this is what clients always tell, like, oh, you know, Chris is going to make us tell the truth. But I think it is true because a lot of us, we do live in a delusion. And I say this about myself, right? Because we're always growing. And we all have blind spots. Like I'm a black woman, but that's not every identity, you know, that exists. You know, and so Wilson and Associates has this, this visual that we've created called the identity wheel. And in that identity wheel, it also looks at what are some identities in our um, society that have power in our society, like social power, dominance, and what are the identities that are often marginalized? And that's important because when we talk about, we have a diversity campaign. We want to include folks we all generally know what are the identities that we're trying to include or have been excluded. But it's helpful to see that visual to really understand, oh, this is who we're talking about. And telling the truth is then, what is the state of our own organization? How are we including or excluding certain folks? How are we creating conditions for people to thrive? And even if you only have a staff of three, or you and four contractors. You can still do this activity to really start to tell the truth about what is it like here? How do people feel? How are they experiencing the culture here? And even as the leader, as a CEO, you can ask yourself, how am I treating people? Am I having power over or am I sharing power with? And power with doesn't mean that you like are relinquishing control and vision of your company, but it does mean that you're not a dominating totalitarian who doesn't give people the space to breathe um, and to share their assets and strengths, right? That's power with how you allow people to be their true authentic selves. And that's part of this is telling the truth. The last thing I'll share about this telling the truth is also looking at what do you want to be 
What is your aspirational vision of your company when you think about these terms that really mean nothing until you put your own flavor on it? What does diversity mean for your company culture and company structure? What does inclusion mean? Who are you wanting to include? And also, who do you want to exclude? Like, that's a real conversation. There are certain folks who I know right now will not be getting a job at Wilson and Associates, like straight up you will be excluded. Now, legally, I gotta be mindful about how I talk about that, but I just know for the company that I'm trying to build, you know, there's a certain energy and a vibe that it's not gonna work because you, you are anti-trans folk. That's not gonna work for my company, right? So there's a mindfulness too about inclusion and exclusion and all these other acronyms. So I would say part of it is, what is your aspiration? Who do you want to be? That is the first step for folks who really want to do this for real. Yes, yes. And I, I'll say here, you know, because I'm, I'm always like, I'm doing this work, right? Myself within my company and, you know, trying to, trying to wade through it and be really articulate and clear so that everyone can have, can, can see the shared vision. And I'll just say this, if anybody's listening in and they're feeling a little bit of a little bit of Angina about this, like just need to go get in contact with Krista and her team over at Wilson and Associates because they'll they'll help you with this, you know, if you fit the bill, that is. Um, you know, <laughs> again, not everybody has has a seat at this table, right? So this is all so, so, so incredible. So what is next for you, both, you know, services wise, but also DEI wise, like what's the next big thing that you're working on? Yeah, well, we're actually, it's pretty exciting. You know, I've been in business for 14 years. And when I started Wilson and Associates, it really, it's gone through a lot of iterations in terms of really refining how to do this and make it fun. You know, I know when you went like this kind of or clamp the stress anxiety, it can feel like a lot. And I just want to lift up, you know, we're talking about creating organizations that are free and equitable and inclusive when for some of us, our cities or states aren't that. So we're talking about creating organizations that are antithetical, like the opposite of how our, our societies or communities are. So I want to just lift that up. We're creating something, these unicorns, right? These amazing things. And what I want to say is I wanted to figure out a way to do it that's clear, like a clear step-by-step -step process. And that can be fun because I always say like, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it because it's, it's too hard. This work is, this work is hard. We're changing hearts and minds and structures and trying to undo 600 years of just bad behavior, poor beliefs, things that are pervasive in our society now. So this is what's in my uh, kind of my immediate future. Like we're doing a rebrand. So a new business name, which is exciting, but it's also clarifying um, how we help people get to this transformation in a really fun way in community. And so we're launching a coaching mastermind to help folks like people always say, but can I do it? Like somebody like me, like that's not my training, it's not my background, but can I do it in my business? And the answer is everybody can do it. And so we're launching a mastermind and a coaching uh, space to help guide people through that. Um, and we always have trainings to help people really fine tune skills to help lead this work um, as well. Oh, that is so exciting. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. That way people are, if they're listening, if they're in their car or, you know, if they're just standing there with their phone in their hands, you know, they can go ahead and click the link and, and learn all the details on that. And, and thank you for saying the part about it being fun, 
because I think that there is this con this concept that you know, oh, DEI work, it's serious work, you know, like, which it is, right? But that doesn't mean that it has to be like completely terrible, like the experience, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's what you, what you said earlier. This is the thing that often gets missed. We're human beings. We, as humans, we want to be in community. And most people that I know like to have fun. And so we can bring that human centered part into this work too. And I think it's also critical that we, we hear all this conversation right now about burnout, but burnout's not a thing that happens like that people are doing to themselves. Like we as organizations, unfortunately we're burning people out because we're not finding creative ways to do really important hard work. And so for me, bringing in the fun and the creativity is really a key part of this work too. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to keep the, keep the listeners up to date on developments as they come down as well because we're gonna we're gonna have you back on at another point and we're also gonna continue this conversation so i'm just putting that out there so so where can the people find you on the interwebs yeah so we're on instagram at wilson and associates consulting and our website is wilson dash and dash associates.com so that's it that's how you find us Perfect. Perfect. And we'll link to those as well in the show notes. So I love finishing off our interviews with this question. So I will ask it of you. So what is one thing that is keeping you pumped up and moving forward these days? That's a great question. And I knew you were going to ask it and I still didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what's keeping me pumped up, um, it is finding the things that give me joy and making sure to always, um, weave that into my daily. So for example, in my work, you know, we've just been talking about it and my family and my background is so integrated into who I am and also why I do this work. And my family has a long history in agriculture, both through enslavement and also by choice. And my dad is still an avid gardener at 74 years old. So the thing that gives me joy is spending time in the land that I'm a caretaker of here in my house in Los Angeles um, and growing food. I love that. Right. So right now I have food, I can see my potatoes are growing, my strawberries um, and being in the soil and growing actually brings me a lot of joy and it actually makes me feel connected um, to my ancestors. And so that makes me feel both energized and it also kind of full circle charges me back up for the work that I do. Oh, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. I love that you have that space and you you give yourselves those moments. You give yourself those moments, English, <laughs> to, to be able to have that connection with the earth, the ground, with your ancestors. That's just beautiful. I love that so much. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Like I said, we're going to have you back on because this has just been such a great conversation. And I know that the listeners are going to get so, so much from this conversation and from connecting with you on Instagram and at your website and checking out all the amazing programs that you have available to help people in this work. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the Money Marketing Admission Show. If you liked this show, please do me a favor and head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review. It really helps our show get found and into the ears of the right listeners. And it would mean the world to me to know that you got value from the discussion here. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at The Copy House. Remember, that's H-A-U-S on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can learn more about The Copy House and how we do copy differently by visiting www.thecopyhouse.com. And remember, that's house, H-A-U-S. Catch you later.